Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary, it's Andrew Benjamin, and you're listening to yet another edition of the We Are Rising podcast. And even though I have had the chance to interview this man before on this podcast, we have not, but you might be familiar with him at this point in time. This man stands in at five feet, three inches tall, weighs in at 115 and a half pounds with a 62 inch reach. He is 26 years old, representing Smash Fight Team out of Detroit, Michigan by way of Warsaw, Indiana. With a 15 and two record, with one no contest, he is a House of Fame veteran, a Montreal Fight League, well actually not really, a Midwest Fight League veteran, let me get that shit straight right now, <laughs> a WSO Global World Fighting Championship, Akmat, dub, I mean, damn it, sorry for the long-winded intro, but still, he's fought <laughs> everywhere around the world, including three times in Japan so far. One of them with Pancrase, the other with WSOF Global, and after a four-fight stint inside the Octagon, going 2-2 two and two overall, he is looking to avenge his one and only no contest against Horochi at the Bellator Japan Show on December 29th, fresh off a submission victory, a Warrior Extreme Cage fighting back on Halloween Eve. Please welcome our first-time guest to the We Are Rising podcast. We introduce you to... How are you doing, sir? Man, I can't wait to hear that voice again, Bruce Buffer. I mean, I love uh, Ryzen's uh, announcer. She's awesome. Uh, but Bruce Buffer, man, there's nothing here like hearing Bruce Buffer's uh, call your name. So, Well, Mr. Book, I mean, we can't deny the fact that Lenny Hart is a legend, especially in her own right. But She's it amazing. is cool to... You know, get the chance to hear Bruce Buffer call your name. It's probably one of the greatest joys of being in fight. You don't really realize it until you see it at home, like five days later. You're like, oh shit, Bruce Buffer said my name. <laughs> uh, one of the things, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, before uh, I get to uh, the, this whole thing, uh, Mr. Brooks, thank you so much for talking to us. Appreciate it. We've been trying to get you a long time. Finally glad it worked out. And, uh, yeah, one of the things I also like to say is, I even though that uh, Christian gave your record as 14-2-1, I consider you un unofficially undefeated because I thought you'd be God of War, and the Jose Torres fight was a was that was a bullshit finish in my personal opinion. Uh, hey man, I, I can still consider them losses just because you know the cards were dealt right. So the the cards are dealt, but in my mind, you know, I'm still. I'm still there. I'm still have that undefeated kind of aspect to me. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to get into the cage again and uh, show out in front of all of my Japanese fans. Man, I love them. Yeah, you're gonna be taking uh taking out Haru Ochi. Unfortunately, the first fight just bad shit. You know, one of those bad things that just happens. You know, uh, <laughs> accident. It's it's just you know one of those things of the fight that just happens. You know, it it you know. 
it could have happened. It's, it's happening in, in this. It happened. Your fight will happen. In another fight. It won't. It won't. Yeah. Basically, what Andrew is trying to say is that your fight against Haru Ochi back on August 18th at Ryzen 18 was the third no contest in Ryzen Fighting Federation history. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, so tell us about uh, uh, about the fight coming up. How are you? Are you prepared the same way? Doing anything differently? I know it's gonna be in a cage this time, but uh, it won't be in the ring. But I think Ryzen rules are gonna be part of the fight. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Ryzen rules inside of a cage. No, oh, I'm sorry for interrupting, Mr. Brooks. Oh, you're good. Uh, yeah, it's Ryzen rules inside of a cage, and uh, yeah, well, there's not going to be any bad luck in this fight. I'm coming out with uh, full power, and I'm going to go out and knock Haru Ochi out as soon as I can. Hey, uh, so, uh, so uh, are you doing anything differently? Is this like, are you basically just like training the same way that you did for the first fight? Anything different? I don't know. Like, Is it just... I see, I see, uh, I see aspects to what he's doing, you know, like, uh, I, I study divisions very uh like it, it isn't just my division i study every division so um I, and then i study haro since you know 2016 so i've known his game plan for a little minute so um yeah i know exactly what he's gonna try to do he's just gonna try to you know shoot in on me making make me think that he's gonna do a shot and then throw like some heavy leather because he does throw heavy leather but uh Besides that, I don't really see too much out of him. I've just been working the same old routines, and uh, I have complete trust in my coaches. And, um, yeah, that's really all I've been doing, man. I've just been on the same path. It doesn't matter who I'm going against. I go against different people in the gym every day. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for her. Oh, yeah, when, I, when you – when I Christian see, interviewed yeah. you uh, – When it comes oh, to – Sorry, Christian, go ahead. I so far – and I'm sorry for interrupting, Andrew, even though it's kind of my thing. <laughs> but when it comes to your career so far, you every time it seems like you go to Japan, it seems like you knock somebody out. You knocked out Junji Ito. You yeah. knocked out Jun Nakamura. I mean, did you feel that going into that fight after that Beastie Boys Brass Monkey played and you got rid of all the jitters? That you felt like that you were gonna knock out Haro Ochi the first time before, I mean, well, before that 10 second runoff for that accidental headbutt? Yeah, the game plan um, was to come out, um, hit, hit him really hard. The headbutt actually kind of stunned me a little bit, so I wanted to grapple straight after. But, you know, after that, after that grappling exchange, yeah, my intentions were to go out and knock out Haro Ochi just like any other fight, you know? Um, at 125, you see me have a lot of uh, split decisions and stuff like that, and that, that's just a weight issue. And uh, at, at 115, I don't really have that weight issue. I'm cutting weight, so I'm a little bit bigger, and I have a, a lot more power to knock people out. So I'm not saying I don't have the power to knock people out at 25. It's just it's just not set into me, you know? Right. So uh, what, uh, one of the questions I, uh, I want to bring up is, yeah, just like, what is a like men's straw weight is basically non-existent in America. Uh, it's only like in Japan. I don't even know if it's in uh in Europe. But like, how's it feel to be coming back to this weight division that that you were that you really couldn't do while you were fighting in in uh, the U.S. Well, um, I'm actually kind of happy that I can 
um, go to a weight that I'm very dominant in. Um, I think that 115 is is a is a build up weight class for me. Let's just say that, right? So, uh, you know, I beat Horoji, the ranked number one guy in the world at straw weight, and then I can start to move up and go against the bigger guys. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that is the plan what Ryzen has for me. Or um, if UFC wants to pick me back up, I, you know, who knows, you know. But I think that uh, I have another fight after this for Ryzen. So uh, it's a two-fight contract. They, they canceled the other fight for the contract, right? So I get to fight her uh, one more time. And then who knows, man. I, I'm just as good at 125, 135, man. It's just how much weight I can put on. I put on a lot of weight. Uh, for my last fight, and I cut down to 125 pretty good, but now I'm around, you know, steady walking weight around 30, 35, so now I can, you know, ease down. I'm going to Florida for a week to train, and, you know, feeling great. So so that sounds like the goal for you, for Ryzen at least, is, you know, dominate the straw division, then go up to flyweight. Do you want to go up to... It, is, it isn't flyweight, it's it's uh, 134, so... Okay. Um, but... Like, like I said, um, when I go against 134-pound weight class guys, I'm expecting 134-pound money. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So you, you, you put me up against Haro Ochi, I'm going to be like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm going to beat him anyway, you know. But you, you put me up against guys that are very skilled. Like, 134-pound weight class at Ryzen is freaking amazing. Like, there's some really good guys out there. But um, I, I'm fully capable of beating anybody in the world up to 145, so. Okay, so one of the things I want to ask is, you know, uh, this year was the year that Kyoji Horiguchi uh, suffered his first defeat in, uh, I don't know, like, had to be like, the, well, since the, D, the DJ fight, that was the UFC. Basically, was, since the Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson fight, would, which was four years ago. Would that have been yeah. a fight that you would have liked to have taken up, especially if, uh, being that he, uh, he would have been undefeated, potentially? Or do you still want, would you like to face him at some point, or do you have any... Anybody at 134, 135 that you'd be interested in facing, potentially? Um, are you talking about me fighting Hayoji? Uh, uh, Horiguchi. Horiguchi. Yeah, Horiguchi, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to train at American Top Team, which he trains at now. And, um, you know, I, I see uh, drastic holes in his game that I feel like I would stomp all over. Because, one, I'm a way better wrestler than DJ. DJ has great passing abilities has great submission attempts and stuff like that, but um, he doesn't have the, the grind, mean style that I do. And uh, I think Kaioji would be a... I mean, he's amazing on the feet. He's definitely somebody that you don't want to play with uh, for a certain amount of time. But I think that I'm fully capable of, of beating people like Kaioji. And, um, you know, people like Kaya Zakora, I think I'm a bad matchup for him also because he's... I mean, he made Alka Sasaki look like, you know, mincemeat, you know. I, I sound crazy saying this, but at the same time, I look in, in detail every t every almost every night, guys in Ryzen. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I think that I'm a bad matchup for uh, Kaya Sakura also. And um, Manel Cape's great. He's a great fighter also, but um, I think Manel Cape would be a great fight for me because, you know, the, the monkey god thing can get really big in Ryzen real quick and then when you got Manel Cape he's already huge in Ryzen then matchmaking comes there will be quite a war of words I'm guessing between you two if uh, 
You know, because he is a brash. Hey, 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 hey. I, I'm, I used to be a very disrespectful fighter when it comes down to weigh-ins, getting people's faces, crazy stuff. I've seen Manel do that against a couple people, you know, to try to get in their heads. But the thing is, when he goes against people that are really, really good, he kind of shies down his style a little bit. When he sees that he that he can pour it on on a guy that he knows he's better than, goes through him. But, um, but me, I'm not somebody that backs out or backs down, man. I can take a punch. I can do a lot of things, especially at 125, 135. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm just curious to know, so is, was this... Fight with that's with Ochi coming up. Was this a Bellator thing? Or was this a Ryzen thing? Because I don't because it is on the Bellator show, but it's part yeah. it's being presented by Ryzen. So who who was the off? Who I guess who was came to the to your table with the offer of the fights? Hey man, I just I, I'm somebody that just sits back and lets my management do the work. They tell me what's up. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm this fight contract is under Ryzen. But gotcha. it does have Bellator on it, so who knows? That that would be something that uh, that I should ask my management a little bit more. No, uh, I understand. I understand. Uh, uh, Christian, uh, do you have any, uh, uh, Do you mind taking over for a bit? I have to. Uh, I have to uh, go. I have to go to the bathroom now. I will have to edit that, edit that out. But uh, I'll be right <laughs> back, Christian. questions to ask. Yeah. First of all, when it comes down to, you know, obviously your entrance team, as I mentioned earlier, was Beastie Boys, Brass Monkey. But do yeah. you normally listen to that type of music in order to, you know, feel in a certain mood because you are the monkey god? Or do you think, nah, this is whack. I might as well go ahead and listen to something else. Something more modern. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Beastie Boys are whack. Um, I think that it was a great song choice oh, for... Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but my apologies on that question then. <laughs> um, oh, you're good. Uh, but I do I do love Beastie Boys. I came out with it because uh, it, it was appropriate for, uh, for me to come out to that song pretty much. I mean, the monkey god, brass monkey, you know, and... Um, yeah, I think that it's a it's a good it's a good uh, kind of waveform. Everybody knows who Beastie Boys is, so um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm gonna come out to Beastie Boys next time, but um, might just come out to a regular song. But it's, I'm definitely uh, gonna put on a really really good show inside and outside of the afternoon. I I see I see, and considering the fact that the fight that you had. Obviously, before the fight you recently fought in for Warrior Extreme Cage fight was in the Rising Ring. Yeah. I mean, did it feel kind of different, despite the fact that you had that no contest? Um, not really. Uh, it didn't really even feel like a fight. It was like five seconds. So I was like, okay, well, I was very upset when, you know, they stopped it. I was like, damn, well, you know, stuff happens, but at the same time, we're here now, and I got another fight under my belt. That's all I want to do. That's all I really want to do is just fight. So. I see. I see. And going a bit off the beaten path, I know that you normally post videos on your personal Facebook account or on your Facebook page 
you know, yeah. talking about sports brawls and stuff. Like, I think I seen one where you were talking about the Knicks versus Suns brawl from 93, but considering the fact that the malice at the palace in Auburn Hills, Michigan, now defunct, happened 15 years ago this week, I mean, do you think that regular sports are probably getting way more violent compared to what we see in MMA? Because this only happened once. This type of shit only happened once with a King of the Cage show in Flint not too long ago. Yeah, I remember that. But do you think that, you know, regular sports are probably getting more violent when it comes down to fan safety? Um... I don't know, man. There's a lot of security, and a lot of people are pussies anyway, as it, as it is. So I don't really know if uh, if that's going to be kind of crazy to where people are hitting fans like our Ron Artest. You know, Ron Artest was like a one in 1,000, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, because he knows that if he would have had any of a luster attitude doing that, he probably would have been arrested. The same would have went for Jermaine O'Neal. Had he not slipped on that fucking floor, somebody would have been dead and he would have been locked up for murder. Man, Ben Wallace, you see Ben Wallace on that motherfucker, you're like, dude, I don't want no sweat. No heat with that, bro. Hey, Ben Wallace is one of the best of all time, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, completely blue collar. I mean, the dude probably could have been a fighter if he wanted to, but he yeah. just chose basketball. Hey, that dude, that dude could just, if he was playing now, dude, he's playing, playing against people like Reggie Miller. <laughs> like, Reggie Miller's just draining threes, bro. Yeah, but if he would have been playing now, he would have been a fucking beast. Oh, yeah. Easy money. Are you talking about basketball, Christian? Yes, yes. Because, of course, the Palestinians... Hey, it, it was fighting in basketball. Oh, okay. Okay. Because yeah. I heard Ron Artest, and I yeah. remember the Ron... I don't think you... Yeah, I, I don't think you probably remember or even care enough about the malice at the palace that happened 15 years ago because you're not really into normal sports. Well, and I didn't, I didn't really care about it until I asked some people for me to review a video and they were like yeah review this and i was like oh okay ron artest beating up fans well did he did he <laughs> do mean, something a few years ago as well like was it like six or seven years ago did he get into a fight with another fan or something that like threw a drink at him or something was that i him? think he had no, he had some controversy around that was the same incident. The oh. whole cup throwing shit, that was during the Malice at the Palace. Oh, okay, okay. I remember that. I was actually in Israel when, when I when that whole thing happened, and I didn't realize that, like, it was such a... I don't know why. I, I was like, oh, I, I didn't even know who Ron Artest was until that incident. So that's how I know who Ron Artest is, uh, just because of that whole drink thing. I'm a good old Indiana boy, man. I, I, <laughs> I'm from Indiana. Oh, I'm Hoosiers saying. fan? You're a Hoosiers, uh, Hoosiers fan? I'm not a Hoosiers fan, let's just say that, uh -huh. um, but I'm from Indiana. Gotcha, gotcha. Actually, uh, uh, I have one question for you, uh, Jared, and I'm very interested to know this. So, um, mm -hmm. I mean, has there ever been an incident outside or uh, 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 in the real world where, uh, or I should say not the real world, but the outside world where you got into a fight with somebody uh, because 
Uh, you know, well, I bet when people, a lot of people see you, they don't think of you, they don't see a, this guy as a fighter, you know. And one of the things that Uriah Faber, I think, well, talked about, I think it was on the Open Anthony show, was that he can't go to bars anymore because whenever he goes to bars and somebody wears he's a fighter, you know, Uriah Faber's not the biggest guy in the world. People try to challenge him to fights, you know. Um, is there anything that, like, uh, has that ever, ever happened to you where somebody went at your fighter and they're like, oh, look at, look at this guy. I can take this, this, uh, this, 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 uh, this guy. He's not that big. And you had to teach him a lesson or something like that? Well, uh, throughout high school, I had a key to the wrestling room. And I used to see if I had a problem with somebody, I would just take it to the wrestling room. Uh, outside of that, um, I don't know if you know who Hector Urbina is. He was in the UFC. He's fought Vicente Luque, all those guys. But uh, Hector Urbina, his brothers, they're coming up in the LFA. Huge, big guys. You know what I'm saying? Just, But they were uh, bouncing at this bar right across the street from where we lived in uh, Coconut Creek, Florida, when we were trying to American Top Team. And um, these guys, they were playing beer pong, and they were getting into it. And I got in the middle of it, and I was just like, hey, don't, you know, don't make me get security over here. And uh, they ended up, you know, smart enough to me a little bit more. And so I was trying to walk away. And then uh, Justin Scoggins comes out the blue. And Justin's like, what's the dealio, you know? And the guys pull around. And I thought everything was done. And then the guys turn around and, and flip off Justin. So the guys were charging at Justin. Justin hits two guys off of the bat. Hector's just coming in and his brothers were coming in and just wiping guys off the floor man and uh, yeah i had a guy shoot in on me and i'm just like dude (laughs) (laughs) oh god i was like why why are you taking a shot on me i'm small as it is you know i'm gonna be able to sprawl on your big ass yeah um i've i've had a couple of altercations in bars that i didn't want and um yeah i don't really go into bars anymore Unless I'm with like my homies that are well known around Detroit, especially around Detroit. Yeah, because uh, it was Uriah, Uriah Faber said the same thing as well, and we also saw the recent BJ Penn incident. You know, what happens when a fighter goes to a bar? Uh, Jens Pulver, in his autobiography, wrote about how he would just go to bars just to fight people to prepare for fights. So you know, <laughs> UFC uh, people that have made fighters at bars don't seem to go well together for some reason. I haven't... well, you can't you can't do that in the modern age, especially around like Indiana places. Man, they're they're too conservative to the point to where it's just like, all right, somebody's going to jail after this altercation. Doesn't uh-huh. matter if it's a smacker or a slam to the head. You know, somebody's going to jail. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We actually have a uh, a uh... pretty much the this this, with the exception of Chicago, of course. Oh, Chicago, you get shot. Chicago, you, yeah. you, 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 you get shot because of Chicago. <laughs> Man, Chicago is one of those places where you, it's just not a good area to be around. I don't like Chicago at all. Uh, we actually have a... a I mean, uh, and that, I mean, I'm only saying that because I got family that live on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lived by Chicago for a minute. I, I, I was in Crown Point, Indiana, and... Uh, Ground Point's like 15 minutes from downtown Chicago, so I know what you're talking about. We have a, a we have a uh, fan submitted question. This is from M- M- MMA BC MMA BC at MMA BC seven. I don't know how you're gonna answer this question, but I'm still gonna ask it anyway. He says, "What would it be like to fight 
Zabit. And I, I'm assuming he means Zabit Magomed Sharapov, the, the very yeah, tall. Sharapov, yeah. Yeah, the, the tall, fly, uh, not flyweight, a featherweight in UFC who looks like Abraham Lincoln. So I guess he's yeah. asking, like, what would you do to, like, if you had a fight with him, what would you do to prepare for it, or what would it be like to fight him? I have. That's I guess yeah, that's what he's asking. Um, I would I would try to fight him exactly how um, Frankie Edgar fought Yair Rodriguez. Ah. I would try to. I mean, he has great jujitsu too, and he's very well rounded. So who knows? You know, he's more well rounded than uh, than uh, what's his name? Just said his name. Yair. Yair. He's more well rounded than than Yair. But um, yeah, it would definitely have to be a lot of you know outward blocks, no inward blocks, just because of the spinning stuff, sidekicks, you know, uh, just catching stuff to to throw hard. That's how you would have to be, Savit, in my opinion. You'd have to be some Jeremy Stevens plus uh, a little bit more. If you don't mind me asking, actually, so I mean, you know, with the first fight that you had of Ochi, you know, it got it ended up with the uh, with the accidental eye poke. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens' first fight, ended exactly the same way. I'm just curious, but the reaction between the Mexican audience and the Japanese audience was much more different. I'm just curious to know, like, you know, did you? I mean, like, you were more. It seemed like you were, you were more angry about the about it than the than the audience. It uh, it seemed like uh, were you at all like just just like did you think at all that like something like that could happen like. I was yeah. I was so appalled at what happened to both to uh, Jeremy Stevens after after you know that whole thing you know where the fans yeah. were throwing drinks at him and all that stuff. What would you do if you were in that situation where like you know what like what do you do like what what do you do when you're having fans throwing shit at you because of, of something like that? Well, um, with Peru, um, he actually we actually clatted heads. And oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, there was a, it was a head. He a, yeah, he had a he had a headbutt and it was a it was a nice big gash, but. Uh, but if I was in Jeremy Stevens' shoes, um, like having that happen and not being able to continue, man, that's just heartbreaking to a fighter because I know that he wanted to continue and he wanted to keep on going. But, you know, if you don't have all of your tools, then you know, and, and you're going against the best of the best in the world, then you're like, well, shit, like, and your adrenaline's running, you know? So, and um, like in Ryzen, yeah, they, they were quiet and I was very angry. Because I haven't fought in less than like a year and almost a year by then. So I was just like, damn, man, when is going to be my time again? You know, so uh, but I feel like things are on the up and up. I got a win uh, this past uh, October 30th. Now I'm ready to go and keep the, the train rolling. Yeah, I forgot. It was an accidental head. Uh, it is crazy, you know, that you mentioned that you were completely upset when it came down to the first decision that you had against Ochi because we basically heard you cursing up a fucking storm, but we <laughs> yeah. understood you because of the fact that, you know, this fight could have gone any other way. It's just, it's just the fact that it didn't happen the way that neither you or Ochi expected, even though, to be honest, at least you didn't let that kick you in the ass you know, too much because you bounced back against Victor Altamirano. And to be honest, even though it was, you know, two months after this Ochi fight, was it was the experience fighting on the UFC fight pass a little different than fighting in front of a 
I wouldn't say like a bingo hall type of audience, but really a small sized packed audience in Japan. Yeah, man. Um, fighting for WXC was great. Uh, they're great promoters uh, for a regional area. I live like five minutes away from the venue, so yeah. it was it was just like okay, yeah, let's do it. Give me the money. Uh, good opponent. Hell yeah, you know. And uh, Victor Almoreno is no joke, man. That dude is tough. He's six and zero, six and one now, but he was six and zero, uh, and he had a lot going on for him. And um, yeah, WXC is a very small. Uh, venue but it's pretty big on ufc fight pass it, it was a little bit different fighting at home though yeah i mean to be honest it almost felt like you had to take that rocky bout long walk when he had to walk all the way to the spectrum in one of the rocky movies yeah. i mean <laughs> it basically felt like you had the whole city uh, i mean actually the whole area of oakland county behind <laughs> yeah man i i think that uh the people that came out and supported me are, are amazing. They have a lot of uh, a lot of heart, and they know what you know us fighters go through. Man, we go through uh, a lot of hell. Uh, if you're not, you know, spoon fed from your parents through the sport, you know, if you're alone, then you're do- you're pretty much doing it alone beside your camp, you know. So, uh, one one other question I have is so. As you know, there's a famous kickboxer who fights for Ryzen called Tetsu Nasukawa. You probably heard yeah. of him, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Uh, would you ever be interested in fight in ever clashing with him in a kickboxing match if the opportunity ever pre- presented itself? Um, I feel like half of the guys that he's went against aren't as as tough. I mean, they're they're long Muay Thai kickboxers. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I mean, my movement is is a lot different man and especially if you're just um functioning it down to a to a core i don't know about kickboxing the dude's amazing at kicks and uh <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong money's right i i will train my ass off to be pension uh nasakura i don't know but uh hey but but the real money fight i'm looking for is the japanese monster bro in boxing i want to get in the way Yes, I want that guy. Uh, I feel like at 100, he's 118 pounds. He's the best boxer in the world. He's supposed to unbeatable. Okay, well, let's try it out. Wait, uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if that fight could be, you know, arranged because of the fact that the Japanese Boxing Commission, <laughs> you know, they've been known for doing some shady shit. Like when Pride FC was around, they would outright ban boxers who would go to Pride FC to take fights, which I thought was complete and utter bullshit. But still, well, the thing is, I mean, if, if I got if I got the championship in, in Ryzen, then I could be like, okay, well, co-promote this kid onto your Ryzen card. It's gonna make it way bigger. It's he's bigger intention. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, yeah, yeah, no give, shit. Give me the he just beat uh, Donaire. Donaire's a, a great fighter, um, mm-hmm. but. 118 pounds. I'm not afraid. I'm not. I'm sorry, but I don't feel like anybody is knocking me out at that weight. He might be amazing. He might be one of the most technical people in the world. But at the end of the day, my power is going to overrule his all day. Uh, do you do you think do you hope that that uh, that Ryza does introduce a strawweight championship at some point? 
you know, or try to have a stable. Sorry. I don't care about that. I I care about getting my name, my recognition over there, and um, you know, a, a belt is great. You know what I'm saying? But the recognition and the glory. I want the glory. You know, I want to m- make myself feel like I actually did something in my life. Because, you know, all, all of our fucking lives are boring as hell. So I'm just sitting here like, well, what's the next portion? If I'm, As soon as I get done with the fight, I'm sitting at home like, dude, I wish I could fight again, you know? Because right. you still have it ingrained in your head. Then the less you fight and the more you train, then it's not going to, like, push over to where you want to be, you know? Yeah. we Rise of the needs to get you into one of their tournaments where they, where they uh, have the fights, two fights in one night or something, you know? For whatever their next tournament is, you know, hopefully they'll have you. You know, 135, 125, 115, 145, I don't know, 200, I don't know, whatever, open weight. Maybe they get, you know, they'll, they'll get you in there, you know. You know, I hate to interrupt again, even though it's kind of my thing, but with Andrew rambling off all these weights, I mean, you did mention to me that you would face the undaunting task of, you know, wanting to beat up Bob Sapp because, of course, as I mentioned before, everybody can beat that motherfucker. But still, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do hey, you? Hey, it, it's a, it'd be a fiasco, man. You got you got one of the littlest guys in the world fighting one of the biggest guys in the world. That'd be amazing. That's like a, a Circus Soleil act. Oh, it would yeah, easily be like Rick Mysterio beating up Brock Lesnar. <laughs> exactly. Except I'm smaller, Ray. Ray's like five ten. <laughs> five three, bro. Oh, no. I've stood next to Ray. Ray is maybe like yeah five three, five four. I've towered over really? Ray. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I met him at a Comic Con, New York Comic Con, and he is. Even when he was sitting on a chair, I still was tall, taller than him, and I'm five foot seven, and I'm not. I'm not at all. He's muscular. That's the thing is that he's very muscular. So like, I think that gives a little that confuses a lot of people about his actual size. But he is a tiny motherfucker. He is. Really fucking short. Well, shit. Come to think of it, that makes me even tinier because I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to try and dig too deep into my personal story. I was born one pound, 10 ounces at birth, six months premature. So that would make me pretty much in many people's eyes a miracle baby. But I stand in currently at a solid five foot. Five foot? That's awesome, dude. Hey, little people are like, Power Rangers, bro. We mighty morph into something bigger together. <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. Fucking right. But the point of the matter that I was trying to ask, when it comes down to, you know, potentially fighting competitors that are bigger than you like, you know, the undaunting task of Bob Stapp, because everybody can beat that motherfucker, <laughs> would you be up for fighting, like, somebody that weighs... In excess of like 30 to 40 pounds heavier than you, because there was this tournament that recently happened for the Brave Combat Federation where they brought fighters that were mostly out of the heavyweight and light heavyweight classes, but they also had fighters that fought at welterweight and featherweight in this one night tournament that they recently had to crown an open weight champion. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, man. Um... The thing is, I'm I'm in a, a very very unforgiving sport, and uh, if I was to go, let's just say if I went to to 145 and went against the top five in the world, right? 
there's a 50-50 chance I'm getting my ass knocked the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some, uh, I'm not going to taunt somebody's power along with their technique. I might be one of the most technical people in the world and fast, but power, it does edge over a lot of things. And um, there's some athletic guys. I see some athletic dudes coming in and out. But Brave, you know, Brave is a, is a little littler organization. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. 145, I'd go up to 45 and fight uh, their best guy. Even if that best guy was Jose Shorty Torres just to extract some type of revenge on him? Ugh, God. Uh, Shorty Torres is just somebody that is not, like, I don't, he's just so overrated. Everybody loves the dude, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, how? He's so corny. He doesn't bring anything to the table. I mean, yeah, he, he does survive the first part of the fight and come back like a warrior, blah, 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 blah. But I felt him, and I, I, I've never been a fan of Jose, Jose Shorty Torres, and I'll tip my cap to people that I feel like, you know, deserve it. And he doesn't deserve the hype that people are bringing him. And if we did fight again, I don't think he wanted to. Uh, yeah, because you know that he would get knocked the fuck out in the first five minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll try to. <laughs> well, two two questions I have for you, Jared. Uh, uh one is, uh, I've noticed that like uh, on social media, you do you still keep up with the UFC and all that stuff, and I know that you're very, uh, I think you've been very critical of, of the UFC's current, uh, is it bandweight flyweight division? I don't even know what the flyweight they division. They have a flyweight division still, so they do. I was, I'm not even sure at this point. I I, I heard that they have a flyweight hey, division, hey, hey, but I'm. I hate to interrupt y'all again, but still, they have a flyweight division. They have a bantamweight division, but because Henry Tejudo is injured, it creates a log jam at both divisions to whereas you know the champion is injured, but you know damn well they ain't going to be any contenders for either belt for a long while. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on Henry Cejudo? I, 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 I think you've talked about him, but I'm not entirely sure. But I just want to get your thoughts on Henry Cejudo as a uh, uh, double champ or if he is he, if he's... Yeah, as a mixed martial artist, man, he's, he's amazing. He, he's uh, somebody that's crossed leaps and bounds to where, you know, typical fighter doesn't do in our weight class. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if he did what... Demetrius Johnson couldn't do for three years and go up to 135 and, and beat Delishaw, you know. Um, yeah, he beat Marais, too. Marlon Marais, I've trained with him. That dude's a beast, so got to give Henry a uh, cap. But uh, besides that, I'm not afraid of, of Henry. He's uh, he, he's a good fighter, but at the end of the day, speed kills, and I think that Henry is, is a good matchup for me. Any little guy, if you put me up against a short dude, I'm going to strike his ass off. What do you think about his whole thing? Do you think he understands of how cringy he can be sometimes, though? Do you think he gets Yeah, it? of course he does. Because that's what's in. It, it, all the whack. The whack is good now. <laughs> like, you, go in, you go in the 90s and you're just like, dude, all of it, it's all hard, all serious. Like, fuck yeah, gangsta shit. Now it's like, oh, it's okay. You might be a little, uh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Please, they're soft like Charmin. <laughs> soft like yeah, I like that. Um, we have a question, another question from a fan that just came in. Uh, this is from uh, Teep to the Junk. Good old Teep to the Junk. He asks, what is your favorite music to train to 
And what fighter or athlete inspired you to get into the MMA business? Okay. Um, the first question was, get, uh, what do I work out to? So yeah. I work out to a lot of things, man. It can be from, like, bluegrass, uh, like, R&B, rap. I, I love everything. But, I mean, mostly not right now. It's a lot of, like, kind of trash hop. Uh, like Comethazine. Comethazine's the shit. I don't listen to a lot of it, but I can tolerate some of it. So, so but, is, um, does this music second, motivate you, or, or I don't know? It, it, sound, it doesn't sound like good music, or is it like the beat? The beat motivates me. It's just like the beat and the things that in the things that he talks about. Like it's just like I don't know. I think it's it, it, it is a little bit. Uh, over the over the top. I got gotcha. you. Like uh, Eminem, you I, know what I'm saying? But I got gotcha. I enjoy it, and the beat gets me in rhythm, and you know, I only listen to music when I uh, when I run anyway. Gotcha, gotcha. Basically, in a way, it's like trap music, but more message than mumble, right? Oh. Yes, exactly. It's a little bit more. It's a little bit of message, but you know. They're talking about ignorant ass shit, but at the same time, it's has a little bit of message. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, yeah, the second part was uh, what uh, what fire athlete inspired you to get to the uh, MMA business? Yeah, man. Um, I'd have to say the OG Bob Ford, my dad. Uh, he pretty much got me into wanting to to fight because he was steady beating my dad, beat my brother in my ass all through the house and through the wrestling room so uh i mean i'm I'm not saying my dad's abusive or anything he just like you know be my ass like when it comes down to like fighting and stuff like old school Uh, like like an old school like an old school beat like i know what you're saying yeah you know just like motivational motivational yes exactly He's he's a very very motivational person he's somebody that's always been on my ass um making sure that you know i fulfill whatever i i put myself into and um, I put myself into this crazy ass sport, <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, I'd say a fighter wise uh, goes down to Tito Ortiz, man. Tito Ortiz, Tito, I know that's somebody that you know is hard to to like nowadays, but at the same time, like back in 1999, bro, that dude was the best fighter in the world, and he talked the the trash. Everybody loved him. He was like the Conor McGregor of you know. So he was like the first person I heard of. So I was like, oh, Tito Ortiz, hell yeah, I'm going to bleach my hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he was like that from 1998 to 2006. Yeah. So I got to ask, are you, are you familiar with the uh, fight that he's going to be coming up, uh, will be coming up soon with him versus uh, former WWE champion Alberto Del Rio? Who the hell is that? His <laughs> uh, name to be Dos Collins Jr., but he... I mean, everybody knows him for getting his fucking head kicked in and pride by Miracle Prokoff. Yeah, he's Wait, a... Carlos Jr. Dos, Dos Carlos? Is it Dos Carlos Jr., uh, Christian? Yeah, Dos Carlos Jr., D-O-S-C-A-R-A-S. Oh, he got his head kicked in by Miracle Prokoff and Pride FC. He's a former, uh-huh. well, he's a former WWE champion, and now he's going to MMA again. He's going to be facing Tito Ortiz in Combati Americas next month. That ain't, that ain't going to go the way he wants. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it won't. No, it won't. No, it will not. <laughs> um, 
But I also just want to ask you as well, uh, do you still keep up with like the, the with the uh, wrestling, uh, the college wrestling, NCAA circuit at all by any chance? Yeah, man. Uh, I like to, to keep up with it just because I love the sport. Uh, I definitely started out doing it, so uh, seeing people like the people that I beat win NCAA championships because they were smarter than me academically sucks. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask, uh, uh, you're familiar with Bo Nico from Penn State, right? Yeah, he's amazing. He's fighting uh, Bellator, right? Uh, he's going to be uh, in a grappling match with uh, Gordon Ryan coming up, uh, the uh, Jiu-Jitsu wonder kid, uh, I guess you could. Dude, he, he's retarded. I was going to ask, well, yeah, what do you, what, if you had any thoughts of, uh, on that match coming up? Um, there's going to be some special rules or something. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but it is supposed to be like a grappling match. Yeah, they need to even that out, man. Gordon Ryan is the best grappler in the world, and you put him up against the best wrestler. I mean, yeah, it, the wrestler is, is good, and he can hold you down, but, uh, I mean, Bo Nickel does a lot of jiu-jitsu stuff in wrestling, too. Don't get me wrong. He probably does jiu-jitsu. But you're going against the best grappler in the world here, man. Uh, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's gonna be a no gi match. Uh, oh, there's there's no guard pulley or leg locks around allowed apparently as well. Uh, oh. and uh, let's see, there will be points as well. So uh, Nico could get takedown points if he uh chooses to uh go for takedowns. Uh, but. Yeah. I mean, I, even even if Bo takes him down, right? What what happens after that? Oh, I mean, heel 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 hooks and knee bars are Gordon Ryan's specialty. Don't get me wrong, but Gordon Ryan's also tapped out Craig Jones in uh, <laughs> in a um, guillotine. So, yeah, did that... he also tap out Agazan? What'd you say? Sorry. Didn't he also tap out current Bellator fighter AJ Agazarm? Yeah. Yes. Actually, uh, I, I've always I've always been told that like AJ Agazarm is is like the worst out of like all the like the modern jujitsu guys. So apparently, like I heard that like he's like the easiest guy to beat. Apparently, supposedly, that's why I've heard yeah. so far. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's I, what... I, I studied I studied that whole division in. Uh, would you ever do, like, a grappling tournament or something like that? Is that something that interests you, or is jiu-jitsu not something... I, I don't know, like... Uh, oh, man, I love, I love jiu-jitsu and, uh, combat jiu-jitsu. Uh, as soon as I'm, like, as soon as I get some time, man, to where I know I'm, I'm situated in a place, you know, I'll, uh, I'll do stuff like that, and, uh, if I do combat jiu-jitsu worlds, I could do no-gi worlds. I'm not really interested. I mean, I do a lot of gi, but I'm not really interested in uh, competing in gi. It's very hard on your body. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you ever see uh, Quintet? Uh, the Quintet? Uh, it's, like a t it's like a Survivor Series T-grappling thing. It's really cool. But um, there have been situations where, like, Gordon Ryan has gone up against Josh Barnett. Or, like, or like here, you don't know who you're going up against. That's the thing. So, yeah. Uh, it makes for some interesting matchups, but then it's like, oh shit! So you gotta, you know, yeah, you get you get a situation like Josh Barnett versus Gordon Ryan, but then uh, no, was it no Gary Tonin? It was Gary Tonin, excuse me, uh, not Gordon oh, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Gary Tonin uh, submitted Josh Barnett anyway, but it's like you know, imagine if you like you're going up and fight fight, you're the first guy going up, and the first guy that you're facing is Josh Barnett on the other team. Like, you're just gonna be like, oh shit. Yeah, 
What, what am I? Yeah. What am I getting? What I got myself into? No matter how good you are, no matter how good you are, it's like if I would be, I could, I would still be intimidated by Josh Barnett, like being right across from me, knowing this guy is gonna be, is gonna be smashing me, is gonna be crushing me, like about thirty seconds. You know, a good jujitsu match that I, I want to watch that between fighters is Josh Barnett versus uh, Stipe Miocic. Ah. Uh, well, is Stipe isn't isn't really the he isn't the most acclimated because of jujitsu if I'm correct. Did he just have one recently? He is a fucking monster. Really? Dude, oh, that dude, that dude is amazing at jujitsu. Like, and, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, he knocks people out on his feet, but and he gets tired just like every other big guy. But in a straight jiu-jitsu match, bro, that guy's legit. Real? Didn't he just have some grappling thing that just happened recently? And I thought he, I thought he lost it. I, I could have swore he had a, a grappling thing. Uh, Christian, do you know what I'm talking about? Stevie Miocic having some, uh, like grappling, like exhibition or something? Um, to be honest, I really don't know. I just think it's odd, you know, for somebody like Stevie Miocic. To be grappling when he already has like other gigs to do, like that volunteer fighter fighter stuff. Oh yeah, or oh, yeah, in you know, Ohio. It was back in uh, April. Uh, he was it was against uh, Aaron Howard, and uh, Aaron Howard beat him. Uh, oh, he went against Aaron Howard. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was thinking. Aaron, Aaron's tough, man. And, and then I think I think Stipe said that he was like confused about the rules or something after that. I think, uh, but uh, yeah, Aaron Howard's like that's a different level. Uh, uh, I need JJF rules, bro. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I trust me. I, I listen. Combat jujitsu, or if you know, if you want to just like ha- go on until somebody taps out. That's how I. That's how I. Yeah, think exactly. it should be. Not, not this point bullshit. In my personal opinion, uh, it's just IBJJF. You can't, you can't do a lot of things that are like wrestling oriented. I can't. You like, um, I. In one of my gi jiu-jitsu tournaments, I did a, um, what's his name? The Korean zombie hit it. Uh, he had a leg in. He hit it against Eddie. Uh, what's his name? He had a leg in, had the arm across. Uh, oh, the, the twister. Back. The twister you're talking twister. about, right? Right, yeah. I, I hit a dude with the twister, and they disqualified me. And I was like, son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I mean, okay. kind of it. it's, it's just about as stupid as to the point where you know you can't do a spinning back fist in boxing. Huh. Yeah, well, that's... Dude, spinning back fist in boxing, I kind of understand that because, like, at the, it, it, you're going for the body of the guy. It's mostly, like, if you didn't wear headgear as an amateur, you're mostly headbutting. Like, half of pro boxing is headbutting because they're just coming in so hard on each other. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, come to think of it, that kind of reminds me one question. I mean, that kind of reminds me about this one question with the fact that, you know, four boxers have recently died and also one MMA fighter have recently died. All five of those fighters are under 140 pounds. Do you think that there needs to be more safety precautions when it comes down to you know, protecting fighters, whether it be in boxing or MMA, from serious injury above the neck? Well, uh, I feel like in America, besides the UFC, they don't do uh, CT scans, and they uh, they need to, like, uh, monitor people's uh, brain activity. 
make sure that they don't have anything wrong with them. In the UFC, they make sure that they do that. But uh, outside of the UFC, all you need is blood work. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, people are probably going to die because they might have uh, a brain condition that they don't know about and they haven't caught it. So, uh, Vince Murdoch, one of my homies uh, from Alpha Male, he just had a brain surgery and he was about to make his UFC debut. And uh, he figured out that he had something wrong with his brain where he could, like, go into a stroke at any time. So the, the scans from the UFC is what helped him uh, realize that. And if he did fight, he probably would be dead. Exactly. Uh, was uh, Vince Murdoch, was he the fighter who, who, I'm trying to remember, there was a fighter who recently mentioned something about, about a brain scan or, like, a neurology scan or something like that costing, like, $600,000 or something. Was that was that him that was... Was that him? It was like like it was like three hundred and fifty thousand. That was it. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, I remember hearing hearing about that. And uh, yeah, uh, mentioning like the cost of a scan like that. You know, before going to UFC, I think that he. Uh, yeah, I think that yeah. was that was him. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's just funny, you know. Alan Crowder today just announced his retirement because he says he says he has memory problems. He says he forgets that he has his coffee cup in his hand. And he goes to the coffee cup, uh, coffee machine like twice without realizing he's already poured himself coffee. Um, yeah. And is he getting stoned? I'm sorry, what was that? Is he getting stoned? Stoned? No, actually, he's not getting stoned. He's basically, I don't know if it's dementia or something, but he's having trouble remembering things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. I, I didn't know you guys were talking about for a second. Oh. No, sorry about that. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. No, no, no. We, we, we under, no, we understand. We understand. No, no. But Alan Crowder, one of the heavyweights in UFC, uh, who uh, won, he uh, beat Greg Hardy by DQ. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He quit. Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he said he's been having memory problems, just like forgetting. He's just forgetting, like his coffee cup in his hand. He's forgetting. You know, he's been going. He's he's like doing like going to the coffee machine twice when he was already had coffee in his hands. Yeah, he's he's SCTE man. So, yeah, he called it quits. Yeah, basically, the only reason why he retired is because of the fact that he wants to, you know, save himself for when he sees his kids grow up. Because, of course, as a fighter, we all know this. You know, you want to at least try and protect some part of your brain, some part of your body, you know, from taking any further damage. That's why you don't really try and... I mean, that's why you find a way to bow out gracefully when you can before you get beaten to the point, like a Bob Sapp, where you just don't know when to quit. Yeah, and that, that's the sad part of the, the fighting business. You know what I'm saying? Guys been working their whole lives, and, you know, one one little thing, like, you know, not, not remembering things throughout the day, that'll definitely do it to you. you you'll definitely not want to fight after that. And, uh, well, hats off to Alan Crowder and, and much respect to him and his family, you know, and, uh, I don't, I don't like seeing fighters go out on their, uh, on their shield, but, uh, he did. What, what, one of the last questions I have to ask you, uh, Jared, and speak, it is retirements, uh, fellow wrestler Ben Askren just, reti- uh, retired from MMA due to, uh, yeah. needing a new hip or a hip surgery. I'm just curious to know. What were your thoughts on, on Ben Askren as a fighter and just, you know, what do you think about his him retiring, you know, at, at this point in his career? Yeah, man, a lot of people hate on Ben Askren. Uh, I don't 
I don't want to hate on Ben Askren. He's somebody that has uh, has been involved in this sport since I was like uh, 16, 17, right when I first started. He was uh, very relevant, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I've always been a fan of Ben Askren in wrestling and in MMA. And uh, it's unfortunate that he pretty much came out of retirement to fight the best of the best in the world. And uh, people pretty much shit on him. And he, he's doing a good job of, like, taking the shit. So got to give hats off to him, man, and uh, hats off to him and his family. He's He uh, he has a wrestling academy that I know he's going to be good for for the next millennia. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to Ben, man. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I just hope that when it comes down to fighters like a Ben Askren, they'll have more opportunities, you know, to train the next generation of fighters because, in a way, you kind of want to grow your expertise instead of just, you know, keep thinking that you're hot shit. You know, try and spread that wealth around. Instead yeah. of just, you know, I mean, Ben Askren, ben Askren isn't, somebody, isn't somebody that doesn't talk shit though he's somebody that does talk shit but he just does it from a business standpoint he's uh he's a he's a very very analytical person he knows what how how the fighting game goes at this point and if the the fighting game will switch every two to three years man just depending on who your champions are got conor mcgregor people are gonna start acting like conor mcgregor being disrespectful being all this because conor mcgregor's getting away with it but that's just one man then you got khabib People are starting to be a lot more humble and respectful. Or, in a way, you don't want to see guys, you know, go from being all humble and respectful one minute to acting a plum ass like Charles Crazy Horse Bennett the next. Because, (laughs) I mean, the dude hasn't won a fucking fight in three years since he knocked out Philip Manuel Kimura in six seconds. (laughs) I saw him last week at a bare-knuckle boxing show. He was... Basically slumping around, you know, taking the announce, taking the mic from the ring announcer, saying, "My name is Felony Charles Bennett," and <laughs> he got knocked the fuck out by brutal Johnny Bedford, all for just being an asshole. And that's, I think, what we need to see less of. We need to see less assholes and more respectful fighters. Yeah, I, I and and. Hats off to, to felony too, bro. That motherfuckers fought everybody, bro. <laughs> like, hey, hey, and 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 he he isn't called Crazy Horse. It is felony, and he would, dude. He's the craziest motherfucker I, I've ever met in my life. I love that dog. That dude. He's such a fucking. He's a really really cool dude outside of the the cage, though. You know what I'm saying? Inside of the cage, you can't control him. He's just. So crazy. I'm a fan. I, I'm sorry. I, I got to stick up for my peeps, man. And, uh, but he, he's somebody that, that does do a lot, have a lot of bad habits, does smoke a lot of black and miles, a lot of blunts. <laughs> but that's just Charles, man. That's just fucking Charles. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's fallen off, but. Listen, yeah. there needs to be personalities in every sport. You know, if, if every, if, you know, if everybody was the same, you know what? Nobody would pay attention because everybody would be the same. You need your LeBron James. You need your Michael Jordans. You need your uh, you need your uh, Dale Strawberries. You need your Miles Garretts, for yeah. instance. Yeah, you you yeah. need you need your like, first. Sorry, go ahead, Jared. Like uh, like, like Charles is is uh, like Charles and uh, a lot of other fighters, man. Like it, 
don't get me wrong. There's some fighters that if you meet in public, they're they're like, yeah, well, fuck you. And that's usually like the Fabrizio for Dooms and shit like that. But uh, but like, you, usually like fighters that act a fool inside of the cage, they just don't know how to like like uh, come up with their emotions. You know what I'm saying? They're so in the moment that they're so weird and crazy and you know acting a fool. Like it. Charles is just one of those people that just doesn't give a fuck. I got like. That's all I gotta say about him. I love Charles Bennett, bro. <laughs> I always thought that. I understand. I thought if yeah. you just if you wind up meeting Verdub, doesn't he just throw a boomerang at your at your face or something? Is that what he what he does? <laughs> Man, like, there's a lot of a lot of disrespect that I've seen that dude do to a lot of fighters just because he thinks that he's like the big guy. Like, all right, bro. Like, you don't have to be a dick just because you're huge. <laughs> I I, I see. I'm so tempted to ask. I don't know if you want to give give names or you don't have to, but I'm just like, have you uh, besides Verdub, are there any other fighters you would you consider like major dicks for uh, or like word dick or something like that? Um, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Andre Arlovsky as a kid and throughout you know his whole career, but uh, when I went up to Andre Arlovsky UFC 187 when I was cornering Justin. Is the first UFC event I went to, and, and he's like the first fighter I seen, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's fucking Andre Arlovsky!" Went up to him, and I was like, "Hey man, like I know you don't know me, but I've messaged you back when uh, when you had that fang mouthpiece and nobody had it. I went and bought it, and he was just like, oh, and walked away. I was like, you know what they say, never meet your heroes, because you don't know what they're like in real life. Hey, all, all due respect, I think that Andre is probably the dude. It's just that I probably caught him on the bad circumstances. He was fighting that night. He's probably in the zone. So, what he said, so that was when he had his third return to UFC, I think? That his third, was that his third return? Was that when he I just came back? Man, he's, just a, he's just a fighter. Christian, was that, was that his third return to UFC? Uh, what he said? No, to be honest, he's had more returns to the octagon than many fighters will ever have in their life. I know. I I I feel like it's I feel like it's his third, but like I try to think of who it is he fighting at what eighty seven. Justin was Skagas. Was that uh? Was he was that the was that the Suzaki fight one eighty seven? No, UFC one eighty seven was Justin versus Josh Sample. Okay, okay. I remember, oh my god! Wow, that seems like so long ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was about four, four or five years ago. I don't know, whatever. Like four years ago in MMA years is like a hundred years ago. So it yeah, just exactly. Oh my god! But that's that's the problem, though, man. That that really is the problem because like you got people like Chuck Iceman Liddell, like in his time, bro. Like that guy is like the, the Tom Brady of fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody loved that guy, and now like everybody's like, oh well pretty much disgracing his career just because he's old. And I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? What happened to the samurai? What happened to the samurai way where people are just like, oh, man, if I see you, I'm just like, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you pretty much built the the footsteps onto fighting, and now you're just, you're walking all over because you got people like Conor McGregor coming in the for the UFC for four fights and pretty much doing what he did. Well, I think also that the UFC has <laughs> had a... Kind of non-existent in the Western Hemisphere because, you know, they see you on the top of, they see you one minute on top 
you know, unbeatable, like a world beater. Nobody can stop you from doing what you do. And then the next, they can shit all over you thinking, oh, you know, this guy's a bum. He never was shit. He never amounted to shit. Let's just ignore him and just leave, and just leave him be like he wasn't anything to begin with. I it's did. just like hip-hop nowadays, dude. That's why hip-hop sucks. It's because everybody's looking for the next new thing, the next, you know, uh, different kind of martial artists or different kind of artists like dude that like let the best be the fucking best i think also that it has to do with a new influx of ufc fans that that you know i think that you know conor mcgregor and like other people have brought in and i think that they don't like the the liddell that they know of if they know of liddell even i mean listen when a uh, rock announced that he was gonna do that mark kerr movie and nobody like nobody reacted that should tell you already right now like what the current mindset of many MMA fans and even some media are um, that uh, they may not even know who Liddell is. They just hear that this guy lost his last four fights and they just think, oh, he lost his last four fights. He must not. It's like with Fedor. You'd be surprised how many people think that Fedor is not a good fighter because they've seen him lose to Ryan Bader or uh, all those recent losses except to uh, Sonnen. You know, You'd be, there are people who, yeah, who just like, who are, who are not as entrenched in MMA who are just re recent fans who just think, oh, okay, this is why I see this guy. He lost to this guy. He must, he or she must not be that good. It's the same thing with Ronda Rousey. You know, a lot of people turn on Rousey after the Holly Holm fight. But, but when now, you know, she was the best woman, women's MMA fighter at one time. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't, like, seem to have forgotten that, really. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, Ronda Rousey, she went on, she went on, like, a, a, a six-fight spiel and uh, like that in my opinion ronda rousey's completely different from chuck liddell chuck liddell he dude he's been beating world beaters since like pride yeah yeah ronda rousey she came in and she beat like like four girls and then that happened you know what i'm saying like like i understand what you're talking about like from the fans perspective of the new coming in and the old you know getting out but uh at the same time man like dude we don't give anybody the chance to to show themselves throughout a period of time oh absolutely absolutely and also you you brought up a good point of pride is that you'd be there's a lot of mma fans now that don't even know that pride existed at one point they just think it's a yeah. ufc they just think it's bellator they just think it, they, it it's just it's just two organizations there's even fans who don't even remember strike force and strike force yeah. is already went under about seven years ago so yeah. it's there's definitely you know that you know, I, I'm not even trying to make a defense of it. There are some people that don't even remember, you know, the WEC, and that was for a lot of smaller guys. It was the joint, you know, for them to fight in. It was the big thing for a lot of small guys to fight in the WEC, and fans don't even remember that shit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm not yeah, even. I think that. Uh, sorry, sorry. sorry. WEC did a good job of of uh, putting on. The, the bantamweights and stuff like that and like the, the uh, smaller weight classes but uh, what happens if they should like put promotions in and just have like promotion weight classes you know what I'm saying yeah mm -hmm. well yeah, again I just want to clarify I'm not defending this or anything but you know there's you know and, and as a wrestling fan I also noticed this as well that there's a whole bunch of wrestling fans that come in who don't know anything you know, like who never watched where like Stone Cold Steve Austin was wrestling or The Rock at his peak. And it's just like, it's just, you know, that just, you know, unfortunately how like 
that shift the businesses that, yeah, like you said, it's the, the old kind of like go out to other things, they stop watching, and these new fans come in who have very little or no knowledge of what happened previously. And I'm not, and I'm saying that I'm not going to defend it at all, but unfortunately, that's how it seems like that happens with a lot of a lot of things, uh, not just MMA. Dumbing down. Dumbing down, yeah. Oh, down MMA. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? That leads me. All of that leads me to asking these last two questions, and I think we should end the interview off on that. First of all, when it comes to this upcoming card, your fight is going to be, you know, on the same card as legends like Fedor Emelianenko and Rampage Jackson and stars like Michael Chandler and Benson Henderson. What are your thoughts? going into this Bellator Japan card, even though you're going to be fighting under different rules compared to the four names that I just mentioned. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go in and, and try to steal the show, man, uh, against some of the best fighters in the world. Two legends, four legends, actually six legends. You got Darren Kirkshank in there, too. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out to, to show people that I'm back and I'm I'm ready to to explode on the whole MMA game, so um, yeah, I, I really uh, I really appreciate Rising and Bellator giving me the chance to, to come out and and try to try to take this show, man. Okay, I can understand that. And when it comes to this particular fight, you are gonna be a part of. I mean, yeah, I did mention you're gonna be a part of history, but unfortunately, because Bellator has certain restrictions to whereas they're going to have five main card fights air on the Paramount Network and the Zone. Your fight is going to be one of four under the rising rule set that's probably either going to be shown on the Bellator app or not going to be shown at all. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Do you even give a shit about the fact that your fight not might not be shown? Or, I mean, either way. Do you even, I mean, either way, are you still going to be willing to show the fans who have either forgotten about you or, you know, haven't heard about you? Yeah. You know, your style of fighting? You ain't got to be on a main card to, to, be, to take the show, man. You can, uh, you can definitely be on the outskirts and, you know, highlights. You always see highlights of people from, uh, prelims and stuff like that always always taking the show quietly so uh yeah I, i'm i'm not afraid of uh of not you know being put out there no it actually puts less pressure on me because even though people aren't going to be able to see you live you know they'll at least experience that you know with uh, it'll later shows. Filmed. it'll be filmed it'll probably be on bellator.com which a lot of a lot of people uh are on that you know what I'm saying? They usually show the prelims of Bellator on Bellator.com. So, um, yeah, they, but unfortunately, the fight's going to be on the post-slim card, I think, if I'm not mistaken. What is it? Your fight's going to be on after the main card, unfortunately. Oh, it's on after? Well, if it isn't shown, then I'll make sure that I live stream it and uh, show everybody. I, I'm sure my coaches will, will be obliged to uh, do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if it's not shown, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that we're going to prep. I'm pretty sure that the fans 
myself and Andrew included, we're probably going to get more info about this as the next six weeks wear on because, of course, they're still trying to put fights on that Ryzen 20 card. Yeah. But, but still, though, I just hope that regardless of the fight being shown or not, you are going to get showcased. Hey, man, uh, the, the main thing is just getting past this fight. If I get past this fight, uh, then I can show show my pretty face on uh, bigger cards on Ryzen. That's all that matters. And, I, and I'll fight in the United States, too. I'll be 20-2 and two before you know it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully you won't get that opportunity to fight in the U.S. again. I mean, more than just fighting on Warrior Extreme Cage fighting cards. I mean, if you do defeat Ochi in devastating fashion, you probably might get the love of Bellator. Man, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm not really worried about that because I, I still have. Uh, I still have another fight in my contract and with Verizon and uh, and Bellator. They're they're very picky on who they have. They're they're a very uh, California esque promotion. They have a lot of guys. <laughs> from California in that promotion. So, uh, and, and with the UFC, it's a lot of Texas guys. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, mm-hmm. that I know, that I know. So, like I said, it's, it's more California. You got, you know, Aaron Pico, you got Joey Davis, you got all those guys from, from Southern Cal, you know. Oh, just to clarify. Yes. I have on here for the press release from Ryzen that it's going to be on, on the post lib. So it'll be after the main card. Which I think we'll be you'll be able to see on the Bellator app, so it will be, uh, it will we can watch in the United States at least. Um, Sweet. So uh, uh, last fight, I'm the last fight <laughs> at one fifteen. I guess I'm in event, yo. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, you know you. I'm the main event of Bellator.com, yo. Listen, it's the unofficial main event, you could say. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna uh, be the highest fans happy. Yes. Yes, exactly. You got you got to be the one that sets the, the crowd home happy. It's gonna be you know if if the fight doesn't go well, then the fans will be going home upset. But your your that responsibility is all on you, uh, Jared Brooks. Hey, don't tell my opponent this, but I'm gonna come out with uh, with a what do you call it? Attention on soccer hits it all the time. Oh, uh, the wizard uh, what was it the uh, oh sh- I know just got knocked out with it. Yeah. Oh. The, the, not the, uh, the rolling, rolling thunder. thunder kick. That was it. The rolling thunder. Yeah. Rolling thunder, bro. I'm telling you, I'm coming out with it. Uh, don't worry, we won't tell because I don't think he speaks any English. So. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Haru is gonna know what we're saying, but. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I, as far as I know, he doesn't speak English. That's uh, cause he has a, he has a return. On another aspect, that dude is one of the most like. Awkward people I've ever seen in my life. He was like, eh, eh, I did that. Uh, like, like awkward, whoa. like personally or like in the ring? He, I mean, he's, he's a respectful person and not, not in the ring. The dude dang awkward in the ring. It's just like, like interviews and seeing him like, seeing his Twitter videos. Like he's funny, but it's like an awkward funny, you know? Oh, okay. Um, it's like, it's so, it's so awkward. And that, that's funny. I, In I, that case, he's trying too hard to be funny. That's actually funny. I don't think he's trying. I think he's just naturally awkwardly funny. Well, also, you know, he's probably not, you, you know, he, you know, I don't want to say that a lot of Japanese fighters are awkward, but, like, you know, a lot of them don't have to do, you know, they don't really 
the whole talking to the, to like, you know, drum up like fights, you know, I guess, you know, you know, they, they don't, they, that's not really a thing that they really do, you know, they kind of, there's not a lot yeah. of, uh, there's not a lot of promos in Japanese, yeah. uh, MMA, uh, it's always the, the foreigners who are doing the, doing the, uh, the promos. And the Japanese yeah. people are just kind of just going there like, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Hey, they, Japanese people love gossip, though, dude. They oh, yeah. Love, love it. Um, like, uh, when Manel Cape, um, I'm trying to remember who was it that he fought. When he fought Kita Nakamura uh, at the weigh-ins, uh, uh, Cape was just, like, talking all this shit, all this shit, and Nakamura just smiling and just going like, yep. I think he had no idea what the fuck he was saying, I I'm assuming. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's the one thing, I think that's probably why, you know, like, anytime he gets behind him, he just, maybe that's something he's not used to, or something. Um, yeah. but with that, Jared, I didn't realize that we were going to talk, uh, forever, but I'm still, so, I'm, oh, I'm good, man. Yeah, we pretty much talked for nearly 90 minutes now, but if you hey, can, cool. can you please give a plug to your fight team, smash fight team, to... Fans for oh, well, actually, can you please plug your fight team, your sponsors? You know how fans can get in touch with you on social media, all that shit. Yeah, man. Oh, uh, if you have any words to say to Haro Ochi, this floor is yours. Okay, you uh, but the floor is yours. Yes, uh, I want to thank James Lee's Mash Fight Team. Mash is not in existence. James Lee's Mash Fight Team is he's a uh, one of the best coaches in the world. Got Carol Road, got NTT, DJJ, Guy Monarch, uh, you know, my dad, my brother, my whole family, everybody uh, accumulating, anybody that's ever given me money throughout this hard ass process. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I don't really have sponsors, so if you guys, if anybody wants to sponsor me, then I'll be cool with it. And uh, y'all can hit me up on uh, Twitter at the underscore monkey god and Instagram is the same uh, handle. And uh, Jared Brooks on Facebook. If you guys hit me up, I'll hit you back up. Uh, where can uh, people reach you if they want to sponsor you? Who, who should they contact? Uh, contact my manager, Chaz Bowling. C-H-A-S uh, Bowling. And, uh, or Monty Cox. They're the best managers in the business, so you guys hit them up. You guys can find them on Facebook, so I ain't giving out numbers. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so you understand, a lot of people are going to be probably soliciting them and calling them at all times of the night, so we don't want to be responsible for that. No, we don't. No, we yeah, do Chaz not. Stays up. Chaz stays up till 5 anyway, so he don't give a fuck. <laughs> he just don't pick up his phone. <laughs> that sounds like a manager. <laughs> That's not like a manager. Whenever you need him, he's not there. But whatever he needs you, boom, he he's calling you a thousand times. Hey, he's amazing, man. I can't I can't knock him. I I'm in the film and TV business, so I can tell you, agents are never there when we need them, and agents are. But whenever they need their money, thousand calls yep. within within yep. a minute. What have you done for me last? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully uh, after this fight or before the fight, I can talk to y'all. Absolutely. Just want to, want to give the last uh, the last uh, shout out of that. Uh, the, uh, you can see Jared Brooks take out Haru Ochi. Let me go ahead and oh. handle that, Andrew. Go ahead, Christian. Go ahead. If you want yeah, to check out, 
If you want to check the rematch between Jarrett Brooks and Harold Orchie, it may or may not be on the Bellator app or bellator.com. It probably will. It probably won't. But you can catch this fight, Jarrett Brooks versus Harold Orchie 2, in the Bellator Japan Showcase card from the Saitama Super Arena on December 29th. The main card will be on the zone at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Actually, it's December 28th in the state. What the hell am I saying? It'll be December 29th in Japan. It'll be December 28th in the U.S. at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. But the card, the fight card featuring Jared Brooks and Haro Ochi will be the one that you probably want to check it out for because it's going to be all Rising Rules. Check your local listings or check out Bellator.com and the Rising Fighting Federation Links online, more specifically, risingfightingfederation.com and the Facebook page for the Rising Fighting Federation for more information. But other than that, we thank you again for, you know, giving us the pleasure to interview you, Mr. Brooks, and we hope you bring a whole hell of a lot of war into your peaceful battle, your peaceful rematch against Harlow Ulti in a more familiar confines of yours. The cage. Oh, I'll be bringing a piece. Thanks, guys. No problem. Take care, Jared. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you, guys. Have a good one. You too.